Okay, now I know how it works. So, question a lot of people ask is, how do I know that I have sufficient strength, integrity, to overcome the challenges that I have? How do I know what kind of soul I have and what kind of um, gifts I have to know that, that I'm able to really uh, succeed in whatever Hashem has uh, destined for me? How could I see in myself what kind of soul I have? Sometimes, um, I mean, we, we, we definitely believe that Hashem uh, puts every person where they need to be, but the question is, sometimes you want, to, you want to see more. You want to know how that is expressed, especially when you find yourself sometimes in a pattern of making one mistake after another. So then you're like wondering, well, do I really have what it takes to, to get there? So I want to um, explore this question from the prism of the Haftorah of this week. The parasha this week talks about the um, mission of Moshe Rabbeinu sending the spies to Israel to scout out the land. And that, that mission wasn't successful, as you know. That the spies came back and they said, we can't conquer the land. And that led everyone crying and saying that, that Hashem can't bring us to Israel. And that night was a night of Av. And Hashem said, because this was, it was tears for no reason, therefore there's going to be, um, there'll be other tears and many, many of the other calamities that happened the night of Av, like uh, the expulsion of the Jewish people from England and from Spain, the destruction of the first and second Mesamigdash. And the final solution, and the World War One began. So all, all these different calamities were, were a result of the of the of this of this failed mission of Moshe Rabbeinu. But um, of course, this mission wasn't totally a failure. Just like the ninth of Av isn't totally a failure. Really, the purpose ninth of Av is about, about the coming of Mashiach. It says that Mashiach was born in ninth of Av as well. So there was another mission that Yeshua uh, sent spies in the Haftorah. The story in the Torah is that Yeshua sent uh, two spies to Eretz Yisrael to, uh, to see the best way to conquer the land. And these spies, uh, they come to the border of, of the land of Israel and they arrive at the home of Rachav. Who was Rachav? Rachav was a harlot. There's actually two opinions about who Rachav was. One opinion is that Rachav was someone who sold food. Uh, the Torah calls her a zona. Zona usually is translated as a harlot, but sometimes it's translated also as someone who sells food. And uh, there are uh, the, the both both translations are perhaps correct. The people came to her, and they went to buy food, and they did other things with her as well. And uh, that's why the Torah says that when they came to Rachav, she said to them, "I've heard how Hashem has done all these miracles for you and taking you out of Egypt." And I heard how he split the Reed Sea. And I heard about what happened with you guys in the desert. I heard how you conquered all different countries. How did she know all that? She knew all that. The Talmud says in Zvachim, the Talmud says, because every single minister and person of influence in her city would, was, uh, would sin with her. I'd say she knew every person and every, everyone's, everyone's uh, news. So she uh, realized that they were chasing after uh, these two tzaddikim, these two holy people that Yeshua had sent. And she's right, 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 very good, excellent. So she uh, let the, she, let, she uh, let them out. She first she hid them in this uh, in this uh, flax material, and then she let them out of her house through this rope through the window, and they escaped back to the Jewish people. That's the story in the after. So, what happened to this Rachav? What what happened to her? Anybody know? 
Yeah. Okay. Oh yes, they said they. That's right. I've got, I've got to mention that. Thank you. She said to them, "I'm going to save you, but please uh, remember me." And they tied a, re, a red string on her uh, on her door as a sign that when they come to conquer the land of Israel, they remember not to attack her family. And that's where we get the red string from, or is that totally different? The truth is that the red string that everyone said is Darke Amiri. It's an Amorite custom, it's not a Jewish thing. So you don't have to do any, any more red strings. You're good without any red strings. Um, but uh, uh, the question is, what happened to this Rachav? So the Torah says, the Talmud says, that this Rachav actually married, later, Joshua. She married Yeshua. Not only did she marry Yeshua, listen to this, she, from her descended eight prophets who were calling him, among them Yechezkel, Ezekiel, and Yirmiah, and Jeremiah, they all descended from Rachav. And the question is, how is it that she merited to marry not just a tzaddik, not just a righteous person, but the leader of the Jewish people? And she had all these tzaddikim uh, be her descendants. When they met her, she was 50 years old, and she was doing this since she was 10. Since she was 10, she was a zaina, and and for, for so many years, or 40 years, and then all of a sudden she turns around and she is considered to be the greatest tzaddikis. Not only that, the Talmud says that she was greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. How so? Moshe Rabbeinu davened Hashem to come to Israel. Hashem didn't accept his prayers. She prayed to Hashem that she should be able to do teshuva, and Hashem did accept her prayers. So what was her great merit that she had, that, that she was greater than Moshe Rabbeinu, that she had eight children who were prophets, and were koyinim, tzaddikim, and she marries Yeshua? What was so amazing about her after 40 years of acting as a, as a harlot? So she said... So the Medrash says, she said to God, I want you to forgive me in the merit of the rope and the window and the flax. Ordinarily, when someone would come to sin with her, she would put a rope out the window, she would hoist them up, and if she needed to hide them, she would hide them under this flax blanket, I guess. And the same thing happened when these two tzaddikim came to her. She, she saved them she hid them with the flax, and she and she, she so people shouldn't notice them when they left. She let them go out through the window, and they went down the rope out of the window. So she said to Hashem, "Save me in the merit of the rope, the merit of the flax, and the merit of the window," which really makes us ask more questions than her answer. I mean, she wanted to say she did a mitzvah; she saved people, so they say she saved people. She wants to draw attention to. To the to the to the those specific items, there's a lot of other things that happened with those items. A lot of other terrible things happened with those items. She sinned for for 40 years with those items. So why is she saying to Hashem, "Forgive me because of the flax and because of the window and because of the rope"? Those are the things that she did all these mistakes with. So why is she drawing attention to something that was uh, such a terrible thing? She's saying to Hashem, "I want you to forgive me because of these things." What do you mean? So there is an amazing maharal. Maharal says like this. Unlike a tree, flax grows in separate, um, separate plants. And it's not like a, a tree with branches. It grows separately. And the word in, in Hebrew for um, material uh, grown from flax and linen um, is, is bat. The word bat means alone. And there is an element of loneliness in each person. That's, that's the emptiness you feel. You feel like you're looking for something, you need something, you're, you're, you're lacking something. That's, that's your, that's your pishton, that's your flax. Then there is 
your window. Your window is the way you look at the world around you. And doesn't necessarily mean you the way things actually are. It's the way you look at the world. The world, the your window might have different colors on it. You might see things not so clearly. But your window is the way you see the world around you, and your rope is the way you connect with the world around you, and the way you bring the world around you into yourself. Those are the three items. So, the uh, the meaning of the first item of the pishton of the loneliness. Is something which is very relevant uh, in our time. It used to be that uh, 10% of people will live alone. Now it's more than 30% of people want to live alone. And this this idea of loneliness is something that 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 uh, is connected with the time that we're in because the Torah says that there are six days of creation, the seventh day is Shabbos, and so too there are six millennia which correspond to six days of creation. And we are about to enter the era of Mashiach. We're right now in history, if we were to divide history into days, we're right now on Friday afternoon. And each day of the week corresponds to one of the seven spheres of the Neshama. Which part of the Neshama are we in right now? Which, this is the time of Yusoyed. Yusoyed means bonding, which is the idea of feeling lonely, that you're looking for someone or something to connect to. And in Hebrew, the, a, the foundation of a house is also called a yesoid. Why is it called a yesoid? Yesoid is what connects the, the house to the earth, is the yesoid. It, 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 it bonds the house to the floor. A tzaddik is called yesoid. As the Torah says, tzaddik, yesoid, and tzaddik is called the foundation of the world. Why is the tzaddik called yesoid? Because a tzaddik connects every soul to Hashem, all the Jewish people connect to Hashem through the tzaddik. The tzaddik is also called yesoid. So in our time, we have this this uh, element of Yusayid, and, and people feel this, this yearning to connect, and that's how uh, there is this great emergence of all kinds of uh, social media. Uh, business people realize the great need people have to want to be part of the action, part of what's going on in the world, they want to be part of something, want to know what's going on, and so they created this, this, this um, false sense of, of connectivity through, through, um, through media, which a connection that doesn't really demand anything from you. It's not deep. It's not, it's not a connection which is faithful. It's, it's, it's something which is just external. And although it, it, it seems to cause this connection and you're able to really share information in a, in a totally uh, exponentially greater way than ever before, but on the other hand, it also creates this false sense of connection and exchanges a deeper connection, a real connection, with an external one. I want to point out that this phenomena, although I'm pointing out the negativity of it, there's also an incredible positive thing about this. Like that everyone said that before Mashiach comes, the Zohar says that just like when uh, Hashem brought the flood upon the world, there was water coming from the earth and water coming from heaven. We learned about this a few years ago, and, I, and so too the Zohar says that there will be the wisdom of the earth, the wisdom of, the, of heaven will be revealed before, uh, in the 600th year of Noah's life, the, the water from heaven came to the world, and the water from the earth also emerged from the earth. So in a similar way, the Zohar says, in the 6th millennium, the 6th century, all the wisdom of heaven will be revealed, all the wisdom of the earth will be revealed, to prepare the world for the coming of Mashiach. So that was around the time of the Baal Shem Tev. That's when the wisdom of heaven came revealed, that's when Chassidus was revealed. That's when the wisdom of earth was revealed, that's when technology became to, to, to develop exponentially greater all of history. Up to, up to that year, 
and from that year till today, it's 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 it, the speed. Just the speed is increasing all the time. So that's in general how this this is a gift from Hashem, and it has a pro- positive purpose. As the Zohar says, the purpose of this revelation is to prepare the world for the coming of Mashiach. So Hashem gave us chassidus, of course, to prepare for the coming of Mashiach, and also technology is something which can be used to share a Torah, and it's an amazing positive thing. Specifically, that everyone said that in technology itself, the item in technology that will um, that will that will develop faster than anything else is communication. They've said because Mashiach will come, we'll all be like one family, and therefore, since we'll all be connected, so therefore, but to prepare for the coming of Mashiach, technology will advance in the arena of of um, of um, of communication faster than anything else. So it's not ju- just a negative thing, but it's it's like a, it 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 is the challenge at the end of time, uh, at the end of Golas, before the beginning of Mashiach, the beginning of time. That Hashem gives us to use it in the right way, and really, the way we use this is uh, is is really the is central to to the purpose of Hashem putting us in the world. Uh, I know we don't believe that uh, the sin of the tree of knowledge was with an apple, or with a blackberry, or with. Uh, but it's just interesting that they use those those terms, apple, blackberry. You know, get it? Okay, fine. Moving right along. So, um, so. There's a guy, he's very depressed, he's very down, he's very sad. And he tells this rabbi, you know, I don't know why I'm so sad, because I have so many friends. I have 3,000 friends on Facebook. And he does have 3,000 friends on Facebook. He is in a golden cage. He's in a cage. He, he thinks he has all these friends and all these, these shallow connections, but it's not real friendship. And, and that, that desire he has is, is being substituted for something else, which isn't real. They say that the average person, a third of human race, wakes up in the morning and goes on their social media and uh, spends 28 minutes in bed. The average of those people that spend, uh, the average of, of, of this third spends 28 minutes before they do anything else. Just going over their social media, if they can't find their phone, then you know that life is over. And, and, uh, and that, that's, that's, where's that coming from? It's coming from this pishton. It's coming from the flax. It's coming from this need that we have to connect, which is really a positive thing. Which is really, as Baal Shem Tov says, says in the pasuk, they were hungry and they were thirsty. Their soul was wrapped within. So the Baal Shem Tov translates this verse: they were hungry, they were thirsty. Their, their soul was wrapped within to mean this: I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Why am I hungry and thirsty? I think I'm hungry and thirsty because my body is hungry, hungry or thirsty. Baal Shem Tov says, why are you hungry? Why are you thirsty? It's because your neshama wants a spark of Hashem in the physical. So I feel the hunger. Where is the hunger coming from? The hunger is really coming from my neshama yearning for the connection to Hashem in the physical. So although I may be sending my rope out of my window in the wrong direction, but where that rope is coming from is from the holy fire inside me that I want connection. And I'm substituting it and exchanging the real connection for something, something false. You may have seen this picture of this 80-year-old woman celebrating her birthday and all of her children, her grandchildren, great-grandchildren all around her. And she's looking around to everyone and her face is crestfallen. Her face is totally... She's because everyone's on their phone. <laughs> she's looking around to all her family and there's nobody there. Uh, Dr. Tversky said something very fascinating. He said something very fascinating. He said that, that he, he did a study about uh, depression. And he says that people who are prone to depression are very deep people, very real people. People look for the truth. They really want truth. They have real deep ambitions. They have real great dreams. 
And when you have such a great dream, and such a real deep desire to connect to something real, and it, it's a very, and you don't get it, it's a very short road from that deep desire being being um, uh, being discouraged, being 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 not, not getting there, that you get, you get depressed. That's where that's where depression comes from, and and especially where who gets depressed? People who have that higher kind of neshama, they've had this higher kind of soul, and that's why they're looking for that that kind of kind of connections because they want the connection. They try to substitute it this real connection, and they they put the rope out, out of the wrong window. They put the rope out of out of the window to, to connect to the world in a, in a way that's false. This great tzaddik whose name was was a tzanzerov. Tzanzerov, he knew of a Jew in Germany who was not keeping Shabbos. And he made great effort to meet him and to talk to him and to encourage him to keep Shabbos. The guy says, no, nothing to do, I'm not keeping Shabbos. So he spoke to him about doing something that was, uh, I guess, allowed according to some opinion, some, somehow to keep Shabbos himself and have his workers come to the office, which is allowed in certain circumstances, depending on what, what's going on. Um, and, and his students, his Hasidim, came to him afterwards and says, they said to him, Tanzirav, why is it that you care about this guy so much. He's not a he's a guy. He's not, he's not religious, doesn't keep doesn't keep his guy's desecrating the Shabbos. Why is it so important to you in such length to reach out to? So Tanzirav quoted a verse of this past parsha, story of Miriam. And Hashem said to Moshe and to Aaron to Miriam, How come you dare to speak about my servant, Moshe? And Rashi says, How dare you speak about my servant, even if he's not Moshe? How dare you speak about Moshe, even if he's not even if he's not my servant? How much more so that he's Moshe and he's my servant? So he asked the question. He said, listen, if Moshe is a servant of Hashem, and certainly Moshe has a great value, but if Moshe is not a servant of Hashem, what does the Medish mean? How dare you speak out about Moshe, even though he's not a servant? What is Moshe without being a servant of Hashem? And so he said that, he had the following analogy. He says, you have, you have glass, and glass breaks, and glass falls into, into mud. No one's looking for the glass. But if you have a diamond, a precious diamond that fall, it breaks into pieces and falls, falls into it falls into the mud. It falls into a pile of mud. It falls into a huge mountain of mud. Everyone's going to look through that mountain of mud to find those pieces of diamond. So he said, a Jew is as a spark of Moshe Rabbeinu in him. As he has that pishton, he has that that sense of yearning, that that sense of openness to, to connect, to want to connect to something real. And even though it may be in a pile of mud, it's still there, and we have to look for it to find it. So just like there's a Moshe Rabbeinu in every generation. So too, there is a spark of Moshe in every Jew, and and that's real, and, that, and, that, and that's there, and that's why he made those great efforts to meet this person because he may not be a servant of Hashem, but he's still Moshe. He still he still has. We have that even if we're using that connection the wrong way and we're putting our rope out the wrong window and looking for the wrong things, we're trying to connect ourselves to the wrong things. But what's motivating all that connection? Why are we looking for that false connection? Because we deep down we want something real. And that's what we try to satisfy. In quantity, what we're not getting in quality, and we're, we're putting the rope out of the wrong window and, and going the wrong place. So when I feel this loneliness, this yearning, I have a choice: which window I'm going to put it out of. And and that's and, and it could be that I may, for many years, be put it out the wrong place, just like Rachav did for forty years. She was putting the rope out of the window in the wrong way for the wrong person to do the wrong thing, and all of a sudden. When Pinchas and Kalev, these two holy great tzaddikim, came from Yeshua, and they visited her, so she saw something different. She saw something that she never saw before, and that reached a place in her that really transformed her, that took all of the, that, that desire to connect, and it went to the very core of what motivated that desire in the first place, 
and it made her want to actually come back to Hashem and do Teshuvah. That encounter with these Sadiqim really brought out that deep desire she had held this whole time to con- make all these, these uh, connections the wrong way, and that revealed where it was coming from. There's a, and what happened to Rachav? What happened to her? She said she married Yeshua. Why did she marry Yeshua specifically? It's unbelievable. It's mamish like, blows your mind. The Arizal says, Yeshua and Rachav are both uh, reincarnate, reincarnations of Yosef and the wife of Potiphar. And he says, if you want to see how they're connected, he says, fine, he, he shows very clearly how everything that happened to Yeshua happened to Yosef and everything that about Potiphar's wife happened to Rachav. First of all, how long did Yeshua live? 110 years. How long did Yosef live? 110 years. Yosef was hated by his brothers and thrown into a pit. Yeshua also, he wasn't always considered to be the leader of the Jewish people. You know who he was? He was the guy who set up the chairs and the tables when Meshavina would speak. He was the guy who put out the chairs and the tables. So, so people said about him, he's just a foolish guy. He just, he's, he's just, you know, the, 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 he's the, the, the gopher, slapper guy. And so Hashem said, I'm not going to hold back his reward. This guy who puts up the chairs and the tables, he's going to, he's going, the people everyone's just putting down, he is the one who will lead the Jewish people. Yeshua and Yosef are both, both referred to by the same word in the Torah. They're both called a nar. Yeshua and Yosef both were involved in causing circumcisions to happen. Yeshua circumcised the Jewish people before they entered Israel. And Yosef famously caused all the people of Egypt to be circumcised as well. Rachel and Potiphar's wife also we see a connection. In, in a more obvious way. They both were looking to do... Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Yosef famously. And she was almost successful. And the reason she was almost successful is because Yosef was totally disillusioned with life, thinking about how he was hated by his brothers, and he was sold, he was accused of a crime they didn't commit. And he has nothing going for him, and she was threatening him. She wore new clothing every day and changed her clothing, and she threatened him. She said, if, you don't, if you're not going to be with me, I'm going to make you blind and break your back. And she really could do all that stuff, because she was, she was in a position of power. And, Yosef, and Yosef, didn't sin with her at the last minute. Why didn't he sin with her at the last minute? The Midrash says, because he saw the image of his father in the window. He saw the image of his father in the window, and he, he realized that, he saw how his father had faith in him, and made him also realize he's not going to satisfy all that emptiness in himself with this false connection, putting the rope out of the window in the wrong place. Instead, that made him look and realize that he has to satisfy this inner calling with something inside of himself, and not by going, going after her. And that's also what Rachav did too. Rachav was totally involved, immersed completely in the wrong direction. And then when she met these Sadiqim, suddenly this, she, she totally did a turn, the 180, away from everything she was used to and to look and to live in a deeper and higher and, and, and a way of a tzaddikah. She converted to Judaism and she became the wife of Yeshua and the mother of Yermia, the mother of, of Yechezka. There's an expression... When the student is ready, the teacher appears. So it was a long, there was a quite some time, for 40 years, that she was involved in all this promiscuous activity. And then, when she was ready, she did this one act of, of, of her neshama, of her soul, and that, and, that, and that allowed everything to open. Which tells us a couple things. There was a professor named Velvel Green, who was Chabad Chassid, who worked for NASA. One of the things 
that he was involved in was in uh, send, is, is trying to discover if there's life on other planets. So one of the things they did was they wanted to see if planets, uh, if uh, plants and, and uh, microbes could survive on other planets. They sent up in, on, in a spaceship to the moon as plants and microbes and stuff like that. And they got the, the uh, pictures of, of these plants and they, and they discovered the following. The plant grows, and then it moves to the right and to the left, and it, it and then it and then it and then it dies. And he tried to figure out what this what, what this was about. And the Rebbe told them how he has to pay attention as ever, as as Shanta says, whatever you see or hear in your life is a message from Hashem. So he was privy to see a lot of things that most of us don't see. He's working for NASA, and he said there's an incredible message he got from this from this plant. He says, how does a plant grow? Plant a seed in the ground. And in the seed, there's tiny little um, uh, things within the seed. I don't know what they're called in English. Or uh, there's ta'im. There's little, there's little, little um, uh, cells, if you will. I don't know, inside the seed. And when the seed grows, so there's all these billions of things that are happening. These, this part of the seed discovers that it wants to be the roots, and it goes lower in the ground. This part of the seed says, "I want to be the branches," and goes higher. And this part of the seed says, "I want to be the leaves." And and all, 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 all the um, Different parts of the seed develop and they and expand and they become they become the tree. When the seed is taken out of the, the plant is taken out of the atmosphere, without the power of gravity, so then there is no higher and there's no lower. There's no ambition or the parallel for this in, in our lives is when you are living with a certain kind of ambition in your life and you know what some people use the expression how are you and they don't realize the magnitude of, uh, of how terrible the answer the answer is you know what shlepzich is. I'm just schlepping along. I'm just pulling along. Don't say that. Don't say you're schlepzich. The person has put in the world to accomplish something. So with the seed, what happens to the seed, when the seed is put in the ground, and the seed is in, sorry, out of, out of the atmosphere and without the power of gravity, there's no longer a sense of higher and lower. There's no longer a sense of ambition. There's no longer any 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 direction of, of and what happens, it dies. When, when you don't have any any ambition, there's no, there's no life there. So, what we're getting at is like this. Number one is, we see the incredible power that we have inside of ourselves, the fact that we're looking for a connection, even if it's in a false way, that where is that coming from, that yearning to connect? It may express itself in all kinds of foolish things that we do on the internet, but where is it coming from? It's coming from the neshama's yearning that wants to connect. That's number one. And number two we see that the moment that I decide to open up to something deeper within myself, and I decide to let go of all these external false things, and I decide to live deeper to what I'm really about, in my neshama, just like by Rachav, the moment she decided, she met Pinchas, she met Kalev, and she did one act of, of, of real heroism. She, she had sacrifice. It wasn't an easy thing for her to do what she did. It was mamish sacrifice to do, do it. So in a similar way, the moment I tell Hashem that I'm ready to something deeper, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. When I'm ready for something I was in the oil a few weeks ago. I don't know if I shared this with you. I probably didn't because I don't want to. I'll share it anyways. I was in the oil and I was thinking about different things I have to change. One of the things I think I have to change is the way I use the internet. And I walk out of the oil and I get a ride back from the oil with a gentleman who has developed an app about <laughs> about called the present mode. Basically, it's like 
like let's say you feel that you're 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 like you're the Mr. Nine One One person. You always have to answer your phone, right? Let's say let's say let's say how you messed up. So so this Presmo thing is that it sends a message to everybody that how long you'll be available. It also says that you're available in a certain way, whatever whatever way you're available. If you are available, whatever. so that way you could be reached if they call, but you're not reached. Whatever. It's it's an app. The point is, <laughs> I was ready, <laughs> and a teacher appeared. So, but the, the key was that Rachav had this mysterious nefesh. She made, she wasn't just, she was wasn't just ready. She had made lots and lots of mistakes for years and years and years, and yet when she was ready, she turned around. As Hashem said, "Okay," she converted. She converted. So. But even though she wasn't Jewish, it says in the Torah that Gershna's uh, Geyer, that even if a person does convert, that indicates, I didn't like the word conversion, I heard, because conversion means that there's really a change. But the fact that a person chooses to become Jewish, that means that something that was there already in the first in the first place. That's why the Torah used the expression... Right, 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 right. It's, it's, there's a connection to an neshama that's not yet in their body, and that's why the Torah used the expression, a ger who converts. Why doesn't it say a goy who converts? Because even before they convert, the Amaral says there's already a connection there. Uh, and, and who is the teacher? The teacher could be our children. The teacher could be a song. I don't know if you saw it. You have to watch Living Torah this past week. Unbelievable Living Torah. You, you see, Mamish, the idea of people wanting to connect in, in an open and clear way, what, what a connection is. Mamish, unbelievable. Anyone, anyone, anyone saw it? You didn't see it this week? So, so one of the, the what they did was is they, they people, Rabbi um, uh, Levi Olva Shalom, uh, he was running the okay, and he had to, he was traveling to Russia for different occasions. Uh, I guess this oversee different kosher um, plant uh, factories in in Russia, and he was allowed to go back and forth. And he took to the Rebbe uh, videotapes of people that he had met in Russia. And he played them for the Rebbe, these things that people said to the Rebbe on, on videotape. So one of the things, like the one guy tells the Rebbe, I just received word, I guess through, through Rabbi Levi, that I shouldn't apply for a visa, which means I'm never going to have a private audience with you. So can I please ask you, Rebbe, since I can't have an audience with you, can you at least send me a nigan? I could sing this nigan, and when I sing this nigan, I will know what the Rebbe wants me to do. I just heard a story today. Unbelievable. There was Rabbi Shapiro, when he was in Russia, he, uh, Rabbi Shapiro was the Roshiva in uh, Maristown. Uh, when he was, he was in Russia, and he, uh, he gave the Rebbe a report of his visit, but he forgot to mention a story, which was like the highlight of the visit, but he, he wrote a detailed uh, report. You've got to say that the highlight story, which really touched him. So he called Ray Groner, told her, he told Ray Groner, please tell the Rebbe the following story. What was the story? The story was that there was a, uh, he met this woman who had given birth shortly before Yom Kippur. And she was very, uh, uh, and he met her on Purim time. And she lived in Odessa. And he, she said that in general, the way it works is in Russia, it's not a moil in every city. In, in, in communist Russia, it wasn't a moil in every city. So you couldn't really have a bris until you're well enough to travel with your baby. 
And so you have to wait a couple of months or weeks, whatever, every person different until you're able to go and take your baby and, and to go on a train and go to a, to, to a city which has, which has a mile. But she said to herself, how could it be that that uh, her baby will be Yom Kippur without a bris? So she went immediately after the baby was born. She took a, a 24-hour train ride to Moscow to go to Moyle in Moscow. And then she took a meal 24-hour train ride back from Moscow back to Odessa. Rabbi Shapiro asked her, tell me, which mikvah do you use over here? She says she goes to the Black Sea. The Black Sea doesn't freeze, but it's freezing. And she would go to the Black Sea to mikvah. So he told this, and she says this nonchalantly, like, we're all, she asked her, he asked her, how can you do this? She says, what am I, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, what, what else is there to do? So when he told this to Rabbi Gorin, the fellows to the Rebbe, the Rebbe responded, please share this with the Higa Messias Nefesh. Please share, share, share this with the local sacrifice, Bali Messias Nefesh, people who, who locally contend that they're also, people who have a lot of, lots of sacrifice, but they don't really. <laughs> please share this with them and tell them what real Messias Nefesh is. Anyways, the bottom line is, is that Hashem doesn't ask us to have a similar kind of sacrifice that they did in, those, in Russia, but there is a way to uh, live live deeper and, and to not to um, to get swept away with external things, and uh, and, that, and that and that and when we do that, the Abisha responds. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Hashem shall help us all that we should live deeper and higher and tr- closer to where we're up to in history, close to the time of Mashiach, and connect to uh, to. Uh, to the Abbas Yisrael, to other people, to Abbas Yisrael, to Torah, to Hashem, and to Mashiach Tzakeinu. We should see Mashiach Tzakeinu tonight, in Shalayim, in Har Kedesh, Beis Amidah, Shetchis Amesim, L'chaim.